I feel like I'm seeing cross-eyed right now. And you're only about a meter away from me. Oh, dear. Uh, well, let's better make this a quick podcast then. It feels like there's somebody else in the room as soon as we start recording. Because you, you go into like, hey, I'm just your mate Patrick, to talk to me, James. Tell me how you're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> how does that make you feel, James? Are we recording? Well, yeah, I started about two minutes ago. Alright, roll the intro. Please go fight. Please growing confidence. The culture master looking forward to your company through until 21st century. The wireless podcasting. So James, I was really keen to record a podcast today because this is a very exciting day for me. It's bigger than Christmas, bigger than Festivus, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Festivus. <laughs> Think of any any holiday. It's bigger than that for me, uh, for any journalist here in Australia. It's it's the biggest day of the year. Yeah. It is election day here in Australia. Well, well it's the state election. So. Yeah. So everyone uh, over the age of 18 in Victoria now has to go out to their you know school or uh, to their their designated polling place to vote. So what gets you so excited about this? For journalists, it's it's the biggest day of the year because it's the spectacle of it. This kind of thing is like sport to us. You know, people who really get into sport say they're mad about soccer and they, they get obsessed over the World Cup and they want to watch every every match, even though, you know, it might be on at an inconvenient hour for you wherever you are around the world. That's what it's like to us journalists because because there's so much happening and it's such a remarkable moment because as a people we are throwing out an entire government yeah and we're picking a new one yeah every four years and it's our democratic right to do so and Everything that surrounds that is just so incredibly exciting and exhilarating. I once had it like explained to me pretty well that, you know, when you're in a democracy and the press is involved, it's because the press is supposed to, in essence, create a well-informed electorate. So it makes sense that election time is big for the press. Especially for us at the ABC, it's a very serious time for us because, you know, our primary coverage is politics and so that means that, you know, it's it's the biggest... If it's a microcosm of exciting events for you guys. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the top two most exciting days of the year for a, a political reporter is Election Day and, to a lesser extent, the budget. Yeah, I wouldn't join you in on that one. <laughs> Just explain to me, I'm not actually from Australia originally, but we have uh, separate elections on the state and federal level over here. So how exactly does that work? So we've got three levels of government here. And for the purposes of elections, the only two that really matter are the state and the federal ones. So we've got six states and two territories that have their own governments. The people of those states and territories elect them um, every, you know, three or four years. For Victoria, we have fixed terms that are four years long, kind of like the American president. That's kind of what I was going to ask next was the uh, the term of the... um state elections because you mentioned four years before 
yeah, in Victoria, we have fixed terms and we know when the next election is going to be four years out. It's the same as the American system. Our federal system's completely different where basically the, the federal government can just say, oh, let's have an election this day. They have limits on when they can call the election, so they have to work within a certain time frame. Yeah, of course. So, like, federally, we know we're going to have an election sometime within the next six months. Yeah. But it could be any day within the next six months. Yeah. And what about other states? How do they work? Uh, It's all very different. You know, some of them have fixed terms, some of them don't. It sort of depends upon, you know, whether there's will to make a fixed term because... That seems to work a lot better. It provides a lot more certainty for the government and opposition. Yeah, and who who could keep in their mind five other states and how they run? Because that's too many to remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm from Victoria and my expertise is primarily Victoria. Yeah, I can just imagine the states in um, America. You'd oh have to gosh. remember 50 different systems. Like, that would just kill me. There's no way you could keep track of them. Like, not even the, the state capitals and... Even the states, like, how do you remember 50 of them? For those of you wondering if Patrick just sounds happier today, he really is happier. It's a bonanza for him. It really is. Like, it's so exciting. It's <laughs> it's democracy in action. And the biggest thing I've noticed with elections here in Australia is there's so much focus on the political parties and their policies and what they stand for and you know what they're going to do in office if they get elected instead of what i tended to notice with uh, the recent midterm elections in america where like leading up to the election there all i could see across my twitter feed because i follow a lot of americans on twitter Mm -hmm. was you have to vote you have to vote here's how to enroll how to vote here's where you can vote Yep. Is the services you can use to help you get to the voting booths. Yeah, it's a constant barrage of this. It's on you to go out and vote. It's your responsibility. This is how you can enroll. This is how you can get to the polling station. This is how you can... You've got to make sure if you're in these states, it's at this deadline. If you're in these states, it's at this deadline. If oh. you're at these states, you have to bring along your ID. If you're in these states, you don't have to. It's just craziness. Absolute craziness. And it's so frustrating to me as a journalist because the amount of energy and the amount of political will that is spent encouraging people to vote is insane. Here in Australia, voting's compulsory. So if you're over the age of 18 and you've enrolled to vote, then you have to vote or you get a fine. Yeah. It's it's a pretty small fine, like it's $20. It's not a you know serious offense not to vote mm-hmm. but you you have to that's the law here it's only twenty dollars federally it is i'm not too sure about state uh, i've got to confess that one time i didn't vote in the council elections and it was a lot more it was actually seventy dollars but that's where we stand here because voting's compulsory there's no discussion about you have to vote you should vote you need to vote there's, there's none of this energy that's taken up on your, your democratic right because we all know it's your democratic right and we all know that you have to vote. So Yeah, it's automatically, as soon as you turn 18, they send you letters in the mail. Even before you turn 18, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. crazy. Yeah, they set you up and they say, okay, you're going to be uh, enrolled. And um, I, wasn't, I wasn't born here. 
and I became a I became a citizen of Australia when I was oh, probably twenty or twenty one, and um, yeah, as soon as I got to the citizenship ceremony, they handed out enrollment papers, and you couldn't leave without filling them out. It's strongly encouraged to get on the electoral roll, and we we've got a very strong electoral commission that sort of, you know, means that there's there's a lot of things in place that that mean that pretty much everyone who's over eighteen is enrolled to vote, and that means that you know you basically have to vote. Yeah, our voter turnout is always very high because it's compulsory. Yeah, and to me the climate of news and the climate of people on social media is more about what the parties are going to do for the state or you know mm-hmm. country rather yeah. than you know whether or not you should vote or shouldn't yeah to me that just makes democracy so much better yeah well democracy doesn't work unless people vote we've got mountains and mountains of data that say that it's just fascinating to me that certain places haven't figured that out it's funny, I was talking about this with one of my colleagues um, yesterday before the election, and she was saying that she doesn't think that voting should be compulsory here in Australia. Uh, why? Well, it was a rather interesting argument. It was more that we have extremely high voter turnout, but mm-hmm. the amount of spoiled ballots, the amount of people who just go into the voting booths and, and don't fill anything out or... Write something silly like Kanye 2020 on their ballots <laughs> is surprisingly high. Um, yeah. I don't have the exact figures, obviously, for this election because they're still counting it and we won't know the result for several hours after we've recorded this. But in the most recent by-election in Wentworth, which is like a federal thing, uh, which is like a federal electorate, mm-hmm. the amount of informal votes it was 5%. Okay, so that's pretty high. Yeah, 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 it's it's a lot higher than what you'd expect. And that's just because people basically show up at the, the ballot box, tick their name off, and just so they don't get a fine. Mm-hmm. It's kind of um, what, what you would expect to be sort of a very organized anarchy. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but in saying that, like 5% is a lot lower than the like 48% of voters that didn't turn out to the 2016 election in the US, for example. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's still better than the alternative. I'm still very curious as to why your colleague said that it's not a good idea to have compulsory voting, though. Well, she thinks that because there's so many informal votes, because there's so many people who just go in there because it's their their duty as mm-hmm. a as an individual in a democracy, they, they go into the voting booth not knowing anything about these parties. Mm-hmm that that can be a very dangerous thing in a, a democracy too. I'm not agreeing with that at all. But it, because somebody who spoils their ballot's going to grow up one day and they're going to take voting seriously one day and they're going to know that from infancy, from the day that they were um, registered to vote, they're going to know that it's their responsibility to vote and every year they turn out and they write something dumb on the paper, they don't vote at all or whatever. Eventually, they're going to become more politically inclined. Yeah, I think you're definitely right about that. You know, obviously, a lot of people don't become politically active or more politically informed until they grow older. Yeah, I just, I would be very 
uh, surprised to find out if somebody who's, you know, considers themselves a bit of a rebel or an anarchist and wants to go in every time and spoil the ballot, it would be very surprising to me if somebody like that continued to do that throughout their entire life. I think it's sort of a soft training on the mind. This is your responsibility to go out and vote and, you know, that kind of feeling and it stays with them. Yeah. And look, there's always going to be people like that that will sort of continue to do that as they grow older. But it does seem like a pretty poor argument to sort of say, oh, we should just scrap mandatory voting altogether. That is a very poor argument for that in particular, yeah. There was one other thing that I wanted to bring up with the state election, and that is the Electoral Commission here in Victoria has some of the most amazing job titles. Bring it on me. Well, they obviously have a, a small army of people every election that sort of, you know, staff voting booths and count ballots and everything. And there's a lot of these people that go out to places like, you know, nursing homes and, you know, places where a lot of people can't really get to a, a voting booth. Yeah. And these people's job titles are democracy ambassadors. Oh, come on. No. Come on. That can't... That is... Isn't that the coolest job title oh, ever? Oh my goodness. I want to put that on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quit my job today and become a democracy ambassador. <laughs> it's like, I could just imagine they have a card with a badge on it. <laughs> so, freeze, this is democracy ambassador. Hold it right there. <laughs> I always get like very interested to see how you are during election time. Last time you were just totally so stressed during the uh, federal spill. A few months ago, Australia became the laughingstock of the world. They sure did. Maybe not for everyone, but people who, you know, took at least some somewhat of an interest in Australia. I had somebody message me from the States saying, so does everyone get to be prime minister in your country or what? Well, I think we're we're pretty much getting there. Yeah. Well, we've just the the federal elections and the federal um, system has always been such a mess here in this country. Yeah, and part of this, I think, has to do with the lack of fixed terms. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, uh, like I said before, we we know exactly when the state elections here are going to be in Victoria. Yeah. However, federally, they have these maximum terms of three years yeah so say we elect a government federally we know they're going to be in power for up to three years yeah in between that time anything could happen and anyone who's heard anything about australia in like the last seven years knows we've had a little bit of instability yeah it's like it's almost as if the politicians don't have anything to direct their energy toward because in a system where you have fixed terms and term limits You know, everyone kind of gets riled up and they start talking politics close to the election and issues start becoming a big thing. And who's going to fix the issues? Don't you know about all the issues we have? Let's talk about the issues. Oh, yeah. Everything's in crisis. Yeah. Everything's in crisis mode. Suddenly, um, a year before the election in in places like the States, everything's crazy. Everything's on the topic board. We've got to talk about everything. We've got to talk about climate change. We've got to talk about jobs. We've got to talk about exports. We've got to talk about everything. Here, we don't have that. We don't have that sort of ramp up. We don't have that sort of feeling, okay, it's election time's coming soon. Everybody get your energy. 
get your boxing gloves on, like, let's talk about this. We don't have that here. So it's like these politicians who hate each other are all sitting around looking for an excuse to, like, throw the first punch. That's what it feels like sometimes here in Australia. It's like in Parliament, like, seething, like, mm, should, I, should I attack now? Like, like I really want to... And that's what it feels like here in Australia. You get these, like, ridiculous spills in parliament sometimes and you get these like crazy challenges and leadership challenges and votes of no confidence and things like that where apparently everyone gets to be the prime minister of australia at some point i i just had a war flashback when you mentioned the spill (laughs) oh no oh yeah that was a dark time a few months ago when uh for about a week there we didn't even know who the prime minister was going to be There has been a lot of speculation and a lot of uh, coverage about leadership in Australian politics for the past seven years, but even more so in the past year. Like it's, it just keeps ramping up and ramping up. And a few months ago, it boiled over to the point where they have what's called a, a spill. It's such a, such a benign term for what they do, which is actually, oh, we're going to vote as a, a party, whoever's running the country, who your next prime minister is going to be. Yeah. This is a polar opposite of an election for journalists. It is the most terrifying and yeah. stressful time of our lives because elections are easy because the shortest amount of warning you have for an election is, say, a month. Mm-hmm. We know that there's going to be election at least a month ahead and we can plan we know, you know, what we're up against. Mm-hmm. We know the candidates, we know everything. Whereas a spill, it happens like that morning. You're going to work, it's going to be a nice, regular old news day. And then, oh, we don't have a prime minister anymore. Yeah. What, what do we do? Yeah. How, how are we going to tell people what's going on? Uh, who can we talk to about this to find out what's happening? Yeah, it must be insane. I think for a journalist waking up on a morning like that would be just crazy. For the rest of the country, it's just kind of like, wait, what? Huh? You're like, hey, guess what? We don't have a prime minister. And somebody's like, I heard. It's like gossip on the street. Yeah. It's like, oh, goodness. And all of us journalists are just scrambling and calling like, (laughs) you know, political advisors uh, and political staffers to say, what's going on? Who's... Who's going to elect who as the next prime minister? And we're trying to find out all of the facts on the ground. And then, you know, there's all this smoke and mirrors between the political staffers. And there's all of this stuff that's unconfirmed and then confirmed. And, oh, wait, that's wrong. And there's just so much speculation there. And for a journalist who's extremely concerned about the facts and extremely concerned about exactly what's happening and, and ensuring that you can tell people you know, the the absolute truth as to what's going on. It's the most terrifying time because no one knows. So if you live in a country that's um, normal, this <laughs> might sound really weird to you. Like, how can there be no prime minister? And basically what happens is that somebody who's running the country as the head of government, which is here called the prime minister, can be challenged. They can be challenged for their seat as the country's head of government. And usually it's for a variety of reasons. It can be pretty much anything it can be as catty as you want it's happened a bunch of times since i've been in australia i saw a tweet by brett worthington he's one of the abc political reporters he was saying that he's a 32 year old and this state election is the first time he's ever voted in an election where the political leader in state or federal politics 
has served out their entire full term. Yeah, that's crazy. That's just amazing. Now, the way our government works is that you don't become the head of government like you do in places like the States where, you know, whomever is elected becomes the president. Over here, it's whoever's party is elected becomes prime minister. So whoever has an absolute majority in the parliament, I think that's what they call it, right? Absolute majority just means that you have to have the most. No, it's just a majority. Yeah, majority. Yeah, yeah, more than 50%. Whoever has more than 50% of the house will be able to elect somebody as their head of the party who will usually become the prime minister. Yeah, so the party that gets more than 50% of the seats in the lower house... And uh, sometimes if they don't have enough to make up a majority, like in a lot of cases around the Westminster system, they'll form coalitions, which is when you form an alliance with a similarly minded party, but a different party. Yeah, and there's agreements as to who holds what leadership positions, but... Any political party that gets more than 50% of the seats in the House, the lower house of parliament, they get to form government and they're the ones who elect the head of government. We we only elect the local member who represents X party, whatever party. They're the ones who vote on the leader, whoever's in government, and then they become the head of the government. Generally, we kind of know who's going to be the head of government ahead of time. People seem to think, like overseas, people who don't understand the Westminster system will say that it's basically you're voting for a party, not a personality. But there is a lot of personality involved. There definitely is, because you're voting for your local member, and that local member could have a lot of personality, could have a lot of clout in their party, a lot of influence. Yeah. So you, you want to sort of ensure that vote you know, goes to a candidate who can actually run the country, I suppose. Yeah. Even though we don't, you know, directly vote the leader of the government, we generally know who the leader is going to be. And this is where it gets a bit muddy because what can sometimes happen is that person does a bad job or that person doesn't get it in well enough with their party or doesn't inspire confidence in their party. And then they can be challenged from within the party. And that's when things go really weird because what happens if you challenge the head of your party while that head is sitting government and is the current leader of the country? So, yeah, it's not really a good time to live in that kind of a democracy. Definitely not because, like, this aspect of how Westminster government functions isn't really democratic. No. Because, like, we, we don't have a say as to who the head of government's going to be in this, this context. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a say generally, but, you know, this is, this is a whole different ball game, And it, it's only been in the last decade here in Australia that this has been the case. Before that, we'd seen changes in government leadership in the middle of terms, but that was generally done on good terms. Mm-hmm. Like Robert Menzies stepped back from government after being Australia's longest serving prime minister for various reasons Mm -hmm. and someone stepped in and it was all done in a very civilized manner. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, in the last decade, we've just seen so many people just knifing each other in parliament. Yeah, it's very, very catty. It's been the most like outrageous thing recently. I mean, we have nothing on like Italy, which I think had more prime ministers than they've had years of being a republic or something crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, so. There's, there's a crazy number of that kind of thing. So you can see how this system would get out of hand very quickly. But it's just been crazy here. And basically our, our sitting prime minister, which was a man named um, Malcolm Turnbull, he 
didn't inspire leadership in his party anymore. He was considered to be a little bit too much of a, a centrist, too much of a, a liberal lover. And um, he inspired quite a lot of change in this country to uh, please liberals and young voters. And for some reason, he painted a target on his back. And now we have um, ScoMo. Yeah, good old ScoMo. ScoMo is a go-go. The funniest thing to me about this kind of leadership rumblings is that in the entire election campaign, ScoMo's visited Victoria once. (laughs) Because... There's been so much shenanigans happening in federal government that it's just the state equivalents here in Victoria don't want to be tarred with the same brush. Yeah, it'll be very interesting for me to see because like the next time that the people of Australia have a voice is at the next federal election. And you can see very clearly what happens. There's There's been a pattern that's happened in the past. There were a couple of leadership challenges with the previous party that was in power here which is called the Labour Party. It's a social democratic party. And um, they just could not get their stuff together. They they were really trying, but they just kept knifing each other in the back and it's all got very catty and very petty. And then they got voted out of power and it they've been out of power ever since. And now the, the current party, which is the Liberal National Coalition, they've been doing the exact same thing. So it's it's quite hilarious to see what's going to happen next because it's all very, very petty. It's all so silly. The average Australian on the street just goes, oh, come on. Like, what? Are they serious? You know, it's all very petty. I just get beads of sweat pooling up every time (laughs) there's discussion of another leadership challenge. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, those those um, those suits in Canberra, huh? Oh. I don't care about the little guy down here. Definitely not. The poor little guy trying to find out what they're actually doing. The best way for an American to understand this is whoever has the majority of seats in the House gets to vote who the president is. Yeah. And you, you don't have a vote as to who the president is. You just vote for whoever your representative is in the House and the Senate, and then they place your vote for you. Yeah. Basically, you're entrusting them to pick a leader for you. Yeah. At the same time, like, if the Americans did that, they'd still kind of know who their president would be. But at the same time, you can get into shenanigans like this. Yeah. Imagine if somebody um, challenged the current president. If the president was head of the, um, I'll just say, uh, the Democratic Party, because they're the current leaders of the uh, House of Representatives in America. If they had a leader... And then they decided to challenge that leader. Well, the next day you'd get a new president and you wouldn't have any say in it. That's kind of like what we have here. 